All right. For those of you who are, well, how many of you guys, by a raise of hands, has seen or read Divergent? All right, that is a decent number of you. Okay, for those of you who have never read the book or specifically seen the movie, it's a pretty cool movie. And it kind of begins with the main character, Triss, as she's getting ready on her choosing day to choose which faction she will join. But before she does that, she has to take an aptitude test. And this test is supposed to tell her which faction she belongs in, just based off of her, uh, how she chooses things in the test. And the test is pretty trippy. They, like, go into her mind, and she has to do, like, all this crazy stuff, and it kind of freaks her out, but she keeps going through it anyway, making all these choices. And then she wakes up. In life, a lot of people are, are a lot like Trist there, very frustrated because they think that they're going to find their identity in something, and as they go through it, they just, it fails them. The test comes back inconclusive. And I, I started thinking about all the different places that people look for it. I'm like, well, it's not like we have this test. And then I was like, wait a second. No, we actually, we do. Um, there's books full of these tests and different things that are supposed to tell you what you're good at and what you should do. I've got one in my office, Strength Finders 2.0, and it's like, ooh, it's 2.0 now. And uh, you go through this book and you read a little bit about it, and it's like, all right, you take this test, and then it'll tell you what you're supposed to be good at. And then you can like flip to the chapter, and it's like, you're woo. You're like, what is woo? So you like, you go to the page, and they're like, what is woo? And then they go tell you, like, hey, you should have a job where you go through, and you're like, okay, well, it says I, I'm high communication. Well, it says I'm high this. What should I do? And it'll go through, and it'll tell you. But as you go through these things, they'll tell you what you're good at, but that's not who you are. And a lot of times we go into things and we're like, well, what am I good at? And we try to associate what we do and we replace, try to replace who we are with what we've done. But who you are is not the sum of what you've done. And a lot of times people struggle because they're looking for their identity and they're looking in places like, well, what do other people think about me? How do I compare to you? Am I smarter than you? Am I stronger than you? Am I more peaceful, more honest? Do I serve more? How do I compare to you? And they try to find it going, well, if I can just better then, then maybe I'll be worth something. Or they go through and, and they have their social status that they're looking for to try to give them an identity. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody whose identity is wrapped up in how many followers or friends they have on social media. Like, well, how many followers do I have on Instagram? How many friends do I have on Facebook? How many, and they're, <clears throat> how many likes does my tweet get? How many retweets does it get? And they're looking at all these different things going, well, how many people are validating me in these social media platforms? What kind of grades do I get? What kind of relationship status, how many people are dating because they want to be loved and accepted and want someone to tell them that they're valuable and that they're worth it? Or they want other people to see them with somebody that says that they're worth it. I have talked to people who are dating someone they didn't like because they wanted other people to see them that they're dating. Because they're going, well, if I'm dating, someone's declaring me worthwhile and I just have to have someone tell me that I'm worth it. And because they're looking for their identity... They get sucked into this, and it's 
a lot like this. Can you stick up that picture? This is the game that a lot of people are playing. They're like, you know what? Who I am is on top of one of these ladders. Like, which one? I don't know. But I'm going to try to climb it. I'm going to try to climb the popularity ladder. I'm going to try to climb the accomplishment ladder. And maybe if I can do, I'm going to try to climb the comparison ladder. And if I can just be better than you, if I can just do that, then I'm worth something. I'm going to try to climb this ladder of, of being smart, of being strong, of being brave, of, of accomplishing, of having friends, of dating, of, of all these different things. But they get to the top. And the problem is a lot of people don't get to the top. <clears throat> and as they're going, can I get a water? Um, <clears throat> as, they, as they're climbing to the top, a lot of people spend their whole life trying to get there to figure out that there's bass in the room. Um, they, they spend their whole life trying to climb this ladder, but they never get there to realize that even at the top, it's empty. And it's why you find a lot of people, a lot of famous people do really stupid stuff. And you find like all of a sudden you're like, hey, you're this actor and you're worth millions of dollars and they just caught you shoplifting. You're like, Why? You, you make a million dollars, and then you go steal a $50 shirt. Like, why? And why are you doing drugs? Why are you depressed? Why do you commit suicide when you accomplished everything that you ever dreamed of? And they sit there, they go, because I, because, well, they don't, if they committed suicide, they don't tell you anything. But um, it's because they thought they were going to find happiness, that they were going to find out who they were, and that they were finally going to feel, 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 fulfilled when they accomplished that. And when they finally got to the top of the ladder and they realized that there was nothing there, it, it, it shook them. But when we look in the wrong places, that's what happens. It, Solomon, the Bible declares him the wisest man. And he, he goes through and he's sitting here and goes, you know what? I think I want to try, try to find out what's going to make me happy, what's going to fulfill me. And he goes through all these different things. And he has more money than anybody else. He has so much money, he stops counting the silver. He's like, ah, it's just like a rock, whatever. He's like, I just got so much gold, I don't want to count that. Oh, I'm just going to build another palace. I'm just going to build. He tried having money. He tried having great works. He tried, he's like, you know what? If having a hot girlfriend <coughs> makes you awesome, I'm going to have a thousand hot wives. A thousand wives. And he gets to all, through like this whole list of, you know, trying to accomplish, trying to have, trying to... Um, have relationships, trying to be entertained. And he gets to the end in, in Ecclesiastes 2.11. <clears throat> he says, Then I considered all that my hands had done and all the toil that I had ex expend, expanded and doing, and behold, it was vanity, striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. He looks at this and says, You know what? No matter how much I do, I'm still empty. And he's still looking for something. When someone's looking, trying to figure out who they are, so often, they, they struggle, and they try to find their identity in things like what they do. And you talk to them, like, well, who are you? What do you do? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm Pastor Daniel. Are you Pastor or Daniel? And a lot of people actually can't separate them. They're like, oh, I play soccer. I'm a soccer player. Are, is, is soccer who you are, or is it just something that you do? Do you just do volleyball? Do you just do basketball? Or is this the sum of you? And they get their identity in what they do. And it can be very hard. I've talked to a lot of guys that have lost their jobs and really struggle because their identity became in what they do. 
And, and it's this thing in life, and it's not new. The disciples struggled with their identity all the time, and they tried to find it in comparison, in accomplishment. And you'll find in Luke chapter 9, um, you'll find one of the different occurrences where they're arguing about who's the greatest. Because it's this, like, this competitive group of guys that are constantly sitting here going, well, hey, I'm better than you. I am more awesome than you. No, you're not. Jesus likes me more. No, he likes me more. Man, I got to sit next to him at dinner. No, man, I know to walk down water. Shut up. I, like, and they sit here and they argue about who's the greatest. It happens in Luke 9, 46. It happens in Luke 22, 24. And they're trying to find this, their self-worth in their <coughs> identity and approval and how they compare to each other. Because the devil will try to assault your identity. Because if he can assault your identity, he'll get you to do something stupid. When Jesus got baptized in Matthew chapter 3, uh, it's about verse 17. He gets baptized, he comes up, and it says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Okay, is that pretty clear? Like, who are you? You're God's son, right? It just, booming voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's about as clear as you can get it. And you go forward like four verses because that's the end of that chapter. You go into chapter four. Jesus goes into the wilderness. He fasts and prays. The devil shows up to tempt him. What does the devil do? First thing the devil does. Uh, chapter, there it is. And after fasting for 40 days and nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God. What did we just hear? This is my beloved son. What's the devil come? If you're really the son of God. If you really think this is who you are, you're going to have to try to prove it. You're going to have to try to find your identity in what you do. And Jesus recognized that, no, your identity does not come in what you do, but your identity comes from God, and your identity is found in God's word. The creator of something gets to decide what the something is. Just ask a three-year-old what they drew. The three-year-old tells you what it is. And if they don't tell you, you may never know. Like, what is it? It's a fish. Cool. It's a tiger. Cool. They look the same. Doesn't matter. Why? Because the creator said, this is what it is. The creator gives it value. The creator gives it purpose. And if you don't know your identity, you become subject to stupid. Uh, and when I, when I say that, I can't tell you how many people are dating because they want to feel loved. And a lot of times, it's not even a very healthy relationship. It's someone that they're like, you know, the person's not bad. You're like, you're dating them, you're like, well, are they awesome? They're like, oh, they're, 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 they're all right. They're a good person. Are they everything that you want to marry? Well, problem. You're like, no. Like, if, if you see here when I ask you, are they all that you want to marry, and you go, well, that's a no. If you're not like, they're awesome, and I still got to find out a couple things, but I think they're awesome. If you look at the person you're dating, you're like, don't date them. Like, you should think they're awesome, but you go, well, why are you dating? Well, they treat me really nice. They say really nice things. Well, they make me feel important. And then you look at some of these people, and I've talked to people after they come in, they're like, you know what? I blew it. I wanted to wait until we got married to have sex. I wanted to honor God with my body. And I know what the Bible says, that sex is for marriage, but we blew it. Because it's too hard to say no. Because they're looking for that person's approval. 
And all the time you find these people that do different things, that date somebody, that wear clothes, that spend all their money on this clothes. And you're like, why are you getting these clothes? Because they're trying to find their identity in someone else's approval. People send things, talk to people, watch people in tears as they sit here and they go, I did this and I'm ashamed of what I did, but I just needed that person. I just wanted that person to like me, to love me, to stay there for me. I didn't want them to leave. I didn't want them to reject me. And they're trying to find who they are in what somebody else says about them. They try to find themselves in what they've accomplished. And all of a sudden, losing a game becomes the end of the world because it's not about the game anymore. It's about who they are. And see, the game never defines who you are. God does. But if you don't know God, if you don't know who God says you are, it becomes so difficult. I, I, I must confess, I am a competitive person. Um, it's true. But when you play a game, the goal is to win. If the goal is not to win, you are not playing the game. Like that is like, it's the game, it's goal, it's competition, it's to win. If the goal, if you're like, well, I'm not trying to get the highest points. Great, you're golfing, you're trying to get the lowest points. I don't care, you're competing. But um, if it's competition, it's a competition and the goal is to win. But winning should be fun, but winning should not define you. And you discover that it defines you. Um, I, I guess I watched and I discovered some of the pride in my own life when I had kids. And I saw how different it can be. Because yes, I want to win. But when I wrestle with my three-year-old, my four, or now I guess four-year-old and two-year-old, I don't need to win. I have nothing to prove. All the time. You're like, oh! And then they're like, team tackle! And then they both hit me. And then they push, they push, and you go, ah! Oh! And then you fall over. And then they jump on you. And they, yeah! And they jump. And they win. Do I care? No. Why? I have nothing to prove. It's not like my ego's there. Oh no, I got beat by a four-year-old. Like, really? No, I was just goofing. I was having some fun. And when you look at some of these things and you go, well, then why is it that we argue and destroy a relationship over being right? And you got thinking about it. And, I, and in fact, I read in uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People in a Digital Age. Page 111, if you're interested. Okay, anyways, it says, At the heart of the assertion that others are wrong is the actual unspoken admittance that we don't want to be rejected. It is in the spirit of not wanting to be wrong ourselves that we project that role on others. And I just got thinking about, my, actually, I got thinking about myself growing up and how much I used to argue. And I could argue, like, to the bitter end. And you go, Why? Because somewhere deep down there was a lie that the devil told that said, who you are is linked to being right. And that if you're wrong, if you lose, you're not as worth it. Because if you try to find your value in these things, you're empty. And you'll forever be on this treadmill of trying to find your identity. But your identity is not by accomplishment, it's by birth. 
It's by creation. The creator decides what he created. The creator decides what it's for and what it's worth. When you became a Christian, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You guys are familiar with the concept of a king? What is a prince? Son of a king. What if they're a jerk? Doesn't matter. Why? Because it has nothing to do with their personality. A prince is the son of a king. And if they're super nice and super kind, they're a prince. If they're a walking butt, they are a prince. Why? Because it doesn't have anything to do with that. And a lot of times in life, we're sitting here trying to prove that we are awesome, that we're a prince, that we're this. And it goes, you know what? That's not what it's about. It, when you became a Christian, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and your identity comes in him. Over and over again, it talks about us being born again. The Bible talks about God being our father. And you want to know why? Because as a father, I look at my son and my I look at my son and I love him. He's my son. And when he's awesome, he's my son. And when he does something stupid, he's my son. When he's overly tired and starts doing stupid things and throwing fits, he's my son. And when he's awesome and blows me away and tries to help me, tries to help my wife, tries to help with the baby, he's my son. And nothing that he does changes that. And when I look at him, all of a sudden I begin to get these things that I didn't understand for years. That I look back at my Bible and go, that's what you were saying? You mean that God, that you love me no matter what I do, that I don't have to earn your love, that whatever I do doesn't change the amount of love that you have for me, that you have a plan and a purpose for me, and it has nothing to do with what I accomplish and how I compare to somebody else and what grades I got and things and whether I won or lost, whether I was right or wrong. You don't care. You still love me. And that my identity comes from you and it doesn't come from these things. And it's this awesome, awesome thing. And it changes how you treat other people. Because I no longer have to compete. And I no longer have to go, well, are you greater than me or am I greater than you? Who's going to serve who? Once you know who you are, you become free to serve other people. At the Last Supper, Jesus shows up, and the custom of the day was when you came into the house that someone, normally a servant, would wash your feet. But when they came in, it was him and the disciples, and none of the disciples wanted to wash anyone's feet because they just got done having an argument over who was the greatest. And the servant's supposed to wash your feet. So I'm not going to wash your feet. You wash my feet. And they argue about this, and they all come in. And when Jesus comes in, Jesus looks at all of them, and they're all arguing, and no one's going to wash anyone's feet. And Jesus gets down, and he starts washing their feet, and they freak out. And as it, as it goes, it says, we just get done with them arguing about who's the greatest. And it says that he did this knowing who he was. John 13, 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to do God's, rose up from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself after, and then he started washing the disciples' feet. He was free to serve because he knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Or are you trying to find your identity by whose table you sit at at school? by who follows you on social media, by what clothes you have, by whether you win or lost, or whether you made the team. Because who you are is found in who God says you are. And he says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that you are more valuable than the entire world. He said that he formed you in your, in your mother's room and he had a plan for, for you from that day. He says that he loves you, that he doesn't want you to go to hell, that he wants you to repent. He wants to forgive you. He loves you even when you aren't perfect. He died for you while you were still sinning. He says you're his masterpiece created on purpose with a purpose. Are you living for him or are you looking for your identity elsewhere? 
And if you say, you know what, I, I don't really know him. Maybe you say, you know what, I've been, I know a lot about God, but I've been trying to live for something else. I've been trying to find who I am. I've been trying to discover this in something else, but I want to live for God. I want to become a new creation. I want to know that I am born again, that I am part of his family. I am, as it says, when you become a believer, that you get born again, that you become part of God's family. Say, I want to do that. I want to give you a chance to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? When I say three, I'm going to ask you, if that's you, to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. Who else says that's me? Awesome. See your hand? See your hand? Greatest decision you can ever make. You can put your hands down. We're going to say a prayer. We're going to call on God's name. He says whoever calls on his name will be saved. So go ahead and just repeat it for me. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.